Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio, Dispatches from the Verge. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone. This is our first episode of 2024. Uh, today is a uh, a sad and uh, and happy conversation in and around our uh, our friend Paul West, who passed away last month. Uh, we wanted to memorialize him, uh, so it's going to be it's a little bit longer episode than normal. Uh, David Morrison, Danny West, and I sit down and, and share some of our memories of Paul and how how uh, how much he had impacted our lives in a very uh, deep and meaningful way. And then uh, after that conversation, there will be um, a number of stories he had shared with me on uh, two episodes we had recorded together. Uh, one of them had has been released, and another one had not been released. And we decided to just um, put that out there in this in this sort of way so um yeah so that you could hear our memories of him and then uh for anyone wanting to hear uh hear from him hear from him and his stories and his outlook on life and uh sort of how he navigated this thing called life so uh before we get into that thank you to danny west he does all the editing and sound engineering thank you to jacob nedia at monk drums that's what you hear in the background uh, theruined.com is a place to go uh, to learn more about Desert Rain Community. drcrpod.com is a place to go to find other episodes of this podcast or whatever podcatcher you found us on. dreamwalkerway.com is the place to go to get David's book, Desolate Beauty, The Book of Light and Shadow. There's also a American Sign Language translation on YouTube. If you enjoy what you're hearing please tell a friend word of mouth and social media really helps us we appreciate you and let's get into it welcome to desert rain community radio david morrison radio free new mexico danny west hey hey um Welcome back to all the listeners. It's been a while since we posted. This is our first episode of 2024. And we have a little bit of a a sad sad episode, hopefully a a good celebration type episode. Our our, our dear friend uh Paul West passed away. Um what what day was it? Um December 17th. Yeah. And um, so we are going to spend today's episode. Uh, it's it's going to be a two part type episode. We're going to memorialize our our friend and our uh, our buddy that has trudged the road, the spiritual road with us, Mr. Paul West. And then the second half of, half of the episode, we have some um, interviews that he had done with us for one of, one of the episodes got posted, another one did not. And so we're going to edit uh, some of the stories that he shared with us um, in those two episodes to make this uh, the Paul West episode. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't even. Well, maybe you know, maybe we start with the we had a memorial, a really beautiful memorial for him, uh, David West or <laughs> David West, <laughs> David Morrison. You uh, you uh, led that for us, and maybe maybe you could just start and. One of the things I would, so we don't forget, um, and would have you delve into it, Danny, but the the music selection for the the memorial, I, I, there were really beautiful stories around that. But maybe you could kick us off, David, with the just sort of your some of your memories and and the the memorial in general. Yeah, um, you know, because I had to prepare for it, I didn't really start my morning. <laughs> for him so that's kind of happening now and so you know it was a friend of 35 years met him in 1989 and uh, we worked together at america's high school for a while and so just just our lives were interwoven very much so and so yeah so i'm unpacking a lot of that still i didn't expect him to die it was unexpected Um, yeah i thought he was going to recover he had you know, we all thought, yeah, thought that, yeah. I was, you know, because he, uh, 
you know, had gone through cancer treatments, two grueling cancer, you know, uh, radiation and a chemo and had to remove his teeth. Uh, it was just a horrific well, and even process the, for him. Some of the treatment, he had few side effects. Yeah, I mean, during the, the process, the chemo, he had next to no bad experiences with yeah. like i mean he just tore through that like no problem um and that's kind of how everything had went up until that point like everything even the radiation honestly probably say for the last the last week like i yeah. mean he was he was yeah, taking it, was it like a champ smoothly yeah. in that sense yeah yeah uh just it sounded horrific yeah <laughs> yeah well yeah. right any any I mean, sort of treatment like that is is yeah, hardcore it's not a walk in the park yeah yeah so then yeah and then he you know his he just couldn't swallow and right. couldn't eat properly. And and so uh, they installed a feeding tube, which we all thought would help him. And, he'd and be that, out was the Thurs- that was Thursday yeah, bef- before the Sunday, which was it, the day. And then I guess the feeding tube made him go septic and mm. quickly right. t- suddenly and quickly died. And it was just rough, you know? Yeah. Yeah, after two days, de- after... Two or three days on it, he got put into the ICU because of complications. Yeah. And then that day that he got put into the ICU was when he passed that night. Yeah. I think it was so. like 10.30, 10.20 p.m. Then the weather changed really strange right after he passed. Yeah. It's huge. Which hardly ever happens out here. A, a fog mm, came over right. yeah, yeah. the landscape. Yeah. Probably his Scottish roots. Probably. <laughs> Visiting, visiting uh, us. Yeah, I remember actually on that day of uh, um, when it was like super foggy, we were driving up Tran, Tran, Trans Mountain from the west side yeah. end, and we, besides what the fog lights were showing, we couldn't like see anything. Yeah, it was we were crazy. driving in a cloud. It was, it was pretty. Yeah, it crazy. lasted. It was about a twelve-hour fog. Yeah, yeah. That never happens out here in the desert. Well, and especially because uh, it usually when there is one in the morning, it burns off. Yeah, within as soon an as hour. the sun comes up. Yeah. Right. I but saw it come in. We were, I was, we were holding a private wake for him so we stayed up marsh and i till oh, you've done two wakes for him now <laughs> well i think i might become becoming an alcoholic at this point. <laughs> uh, but i saw it was about midnight and the fog started coming in i was watching it from my from my back door and uh just had a sense it was him you know uh, yeah and then i think at his memorial was it or the day no yeah the, the night of his memorial we came home about midnight, exhausted, and then all of a sudden a thunderclap in mm-hmm. December. About three of them, you know? Whoa. And we were like, what? You know, like a summer, yeah. like a summer shower mm-hmm. kind of like thunderclap. Like a monsoon yeah. storm. Yeah. And so and then it started raining. And wow. And I think that night, yeah, we stayed up till 4 a.m. Wow. just playing music for him and mm-hmm. drinking whiskeys. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm tired these days. <laughs> Me too. Did a funeral yeah. yesterday. <laughs> so yeah, yeah you're, on the fu- you're on the funeral uh, yeah. circuit right now, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Pastor death. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, well, it's part of the dream walker way. <laughs> Walking yeah. with people. You yeah, know, we, we, we did an episode about that with the hospice stuff that you had done. Yeah. Well, that um, was strange because this last funeral, I, I didn't know uh, the woman. Mm-hmm. Personally, I, I know the family members, and so those are hard funerals to do when you don't know the the deceased. Oh yeah, and so you don't want to pretend something like that. That's what they usually do. They right, pretend yeah. that they knew them or something. And uh, but it was it was very strange. The night before uh, the funeral, uh, I had a dream with her, and I was walking mm-hmm. her. I was like her dad, and I was walking her up the aisle to be wow. married across a bridge. And, uh, and I was like, wow. Yeah. She had powerful. her head on my shoulder, uh, which is really weird because she was, you know, a tall woman and I'm mm. like five foot nothing. <laughs> and I was, I got to be tall in my dream. <laughs> but yeah, I was, and I woke up haunted, feeling haunted and yeah. mystified. Mm. And that's that, powerful. Yeah. So, so I was able to, I feel we were able to do, do her right. Mm, and it felt good. like we did your dad right. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, tomorrow. You know, tomorrow we'll be in turn in his ashes here at Desert Rain, uh, which is kind of you know kind of funny because when we the labyrinth area that we have that's our first the first thing we ever did when we moved here was uh 
we moved in on like a good Friday. Mm. So we, we erected these crosses oh, yeah. for stations of the cross. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and we did a drum circle that night and or maybe it might have been Saturday night, the holy third the, the holy Saturday night. And then Easter Sunday morning, the sheriff comes and knocks on our door because <laughs> a neighbor, I guess it's, we saw a guy out in the desert with a yeah. flashlight, uh, which he's an amateur. You don't walk in the desert with a flashlight. <laughs> you let your eyes adjust yeah. when you walk. Uh, but anyway, amateur. And so he said, oh, folks, this, he was embarrassed, the sheriff, and he was like, uh, are you burying animals by those crosses or maybe people? <laughs> And so our first weekend out here, we already had the reputation of being a devil cult. That right. of people, and, and they still call us that. Our, our neighbors around us were a devil cult. You're not kind of like that. Uh, so anyway, so now we're at literally burying somebody. It's Paul's ashes tomorrow at the labyrinth. No, but so. it's it's. I'm glad we decided it because, I mean, you know how much Paul would, I mean, he was spent a lot of time not even just out here, but in Chaparral, yeah. you know, like working in Gadsden uh, district. And yeah. so we felt that was the the right place to do it rather than some like public park or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Some <laughs> random, some <laughs> random park. Which, which we've done a, one of those, I guess. Yeah. So. <laughs> kind of the, uh, so speaking of the memorial, um, one, one of the things that I was blown away with was the, the music it was it was very beautiful how it was shuffled together with some like people sharing their stories of Paul and then having some music and then other people speaking and then having some music yeah. and it it just shuff, it, instead of doing all of one and then all of yeah, the other yeah. shuffling it in like that was a really beautiful um presentation for lack of a better word but just it it just it was a really beautiful ceremony from beginning to end. Yeah, um, for sure. And maybe if you could share some of the the songs were were very intentional. Yeah, that were sure. played that that day. Maybe you could share. Yeah, a little bit of that. I, I mean, you got you guys got to perform as a band. Yeah, and we other did. People as we well. Did. So. Yeah, so I guess I could just go down the line. I guess with what we had, I think the first one we had was uh, a good dear friend of ours. Um, Annie Neural, um, she had performed a couple songs, um, one of which was one that I think uh, David Riefenberg had wrote. Mm. And I know my mom had told me that when my dad like, would, would see Reef at Crossroads playing that song, my mom recalled that that was the only time that my dad had said, I want that song at my funeral. Oh, really? Um, and um, so... So we were like, we well, we have to do that. Yeah, that's um, beautiful. And then I think she played another one, um, another another worship song, but I can't I can't recall the name off the top of my head. But I know she played two. Mm -hmm. And then we had um, a good friend of ours, uh, Tommy Tina Harrell, who um, is been in and around our lives yeah. for a long time uh, in different capacities. Uh, he played. Um, he played the song "One" by U two. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad always loved U two. Um, One is a great. I didn't. I didn't know he could sing. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. It's a great rendition yeah. of it. Yeah, <clears throat> I was. I was blown away. Yeah, yeah. And he had. He had. He had done that at another uh, funeral for a coworker of my mom's, and we. We then were. That's when we had first seen that, and yeah. we were blown away by that. So when we were thinking of stuff, we were like, "Man, that'd be that'd be cool to have it ours." Um, and the other thing I. To go back yeah. uh, to Annie's, um, I didn't even know Reef had written music. I know. Oh, yeah, I yeah. had no idea. Yeah, when you guys when you told me that, I thought you guys were messing with me. I was like, no, really, what's <laughs> no, that song yeah, from? He, so yeah, he's they, a, they recorded a couple albums. Yeah, yeah. 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 I learned that all that yeah. night. It was really, really, and and Reef has been on the podcast as well. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and then and then that that transitioned to. Uh, well, actually, the f the very first song was was actually my brother David. Oh, that's right. Um, he had played because oh. um, he's a huge fan of uh, the jazz guitarist Pat Metheny, and um, the first Pat Metheny song that my dad had shown David that like mm -hmm. got him into it was this song called "Last Train Home," mm -hmm. uh, and it's just this beautiful. Um, 
it's all like an instrumental, just like a guitar line with some drums in the background. Uh, and so me and me and I was on the drums and David had done that. And that was, that was good. Um, and then after Annie and Tommy, um, I went up and, um, we kind of started as, as, as you called it, the, 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 like the rich, the rich Mullins era, oh, sweet. Of the, yeah. the, the rich Mullins suite <laughs> of the night, uh, because we had, we had played three rich Mullins songs like back to back. Um, it had started with me on piano and singing, uh, this song, uh, my, my, my personal favorite rich Mullins song, which is, um, if I stand. Mm. And I remember my dad had, uh, showed me that song and that song was, a song like when I was like 10 or 11 and like I couldn't and I couldn't sleep I would always put on that song just on repeat at night and that would just calm me and so that's amazing that's been a very that's 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 been a very important song in my life um and sing you did a really great job thank you yeah and actually um I had text you like two days before it was like hey I want to throw this in like it was a very last minute decision but but I'm really glad I did it um and then we we uh, the last two songs we did was um, we brought up uh, longtime friend uh, and bandmate Evan Nedia, son of Jacob, who's mm. been on this podcast many, many times. times. Um, we have a band, and so we and Evan Evan really loved my dad, and oh. so he as soon as I asked him, he was like, "Yes, let's let's do something." And so we picked two other. Well, the beautiful part too is that the service was at. His grandfather's right. old church, and now his uncle's church. Exactly Is that a, the right yeah, way to yeah, explain. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so for him to be a part of it, right, in, in that building for your for dad, that reason, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was just a, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was yeah, it was really cool. Um, and so we played two more Rich Rich Mullen songs, uh, Creed and Calling Out Your Name. Um, and David, uh, my brother David, had borrowed uh, Marsha's uh, hammered ham, hammered dul- dulcimer, which mm-hmm. is a signature part of Rich Mullen's music um and similar kind of to how i'd added it very last minute david didn't know how to play a hammer dulcimer yeah. until and, and like pulled it off amazing pulled yeah. it off really it was, awesome it was incredible. So he picked it up what? on tuesday night i think yeah he had, he had picked it up tuesday and the the funeral was i think friday yeah yeah uh and well so, I, and that was another thing i thought you guys were joking that he had never played it yeah before that no night. yeah he had, <laughs> yeah because he, 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 he definitely me, nailed it it had never been played in public yeah, yeah. So those, and I bought that from Marsha for Christmas, like maybe twenty years ago. Wow! Mm. So it just been sitting. So I was surprised the strings didn't just <laughs> you, you like hit a one try to just tune all, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah. It was actually funny. David had told me he was like, I know everything how to do this except the practical. Like he 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 had like looked at a lot of mm. like videos before mm-hmm. of like the technique and like practice with like little sticks and stuff, and so. <laughs> He was like, this is like kind of the culmination yeah. of all that. And so he had the final he, boss. He he had done a lot of prep work uh-huh. just in the air, yeah. you know. And so well, I think that helped with everything come pretty naturally with with that. It's so funny. This podcast like comes full circle so many times because we've done an episode about Rich Mullins. Yeah. So yeah. I'd, I'd forgotten about that until yeah. just now. And so to, you know, hear these songs like how you how that's you know the song that touched you when you you would play it on repeat right and right. being yeah. able to to use those songs to honor uh one of our dear friends yeah it's just yeah it's well and and we had also on the at his at his bedside i don't know if i told oh, you yeah, this yeah, but yeah, we had right. um we were there like me my mom my brother david marcia i think shane and annie were there yeah, too were, yeah we were just all surrounded around his bed and David had like read some scriptures and prayers and things. And then he asked, is there any music that we want to put on just during like some silence? Uh, and David just queued up a bunch of rich, rich, mm-hmm. rich, rich Mullins. Um, and we just played that and sat together and, and just cried and spent that moment. And so, yeah, his music has always been kind of a, a sort of a guiding light in our life yeah. for sure. I feel like he's uh, one of the, Patron saints, if you will, that mm-hmm. watches over us here. Yeah. He always loved mm-hmm. uh, the Southwest. 
he was a Midwesterner, but he yeah, yeah. wanted to spend a lot of time Southwest. in New Mexico. Yeah. 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 Was it New Mexico or Arizona? I think it was Arizona. Yeah. Right? I know the we talked about it. He, yeah. I think it was there. I'm not. We talked sure. about it on the podcast. Yeah. I just, I forgot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so maybe, I mean, maybe if you want to like share one of your, one of your memories of, of Paul and, and, or, you know, maybe it's not a specific memory. Maybe it's more of a general thing. Yeah. I, I have one I'll share as well. Yeah. I, I mean, at the memorial, I think it, I was authentic, you know, when I just said, you know, if you knew Paul well, or if you knew Paul, you knew him as being a very compassionate, intensely compassionate and empathetic person. If you knew him well, really well, then you knew him as a, compassionate empathetic person and a pain in the ass <laughs> yeah. So you, you yeah, experience that because yeah. because when you know he went full catastrophe living you know so uh you know just so i i'm pretty sure the first time i met him he was sitting in front of his apartment on the curb and he was drinking uh uh charcoal liquid from the hospital because he had just tried to commit suicide. Oh shit! From poisoning and they pumped his stomach and I guess you have to drink this charcoal shit. Yeah, I've heard of that. <laughs> so he's yeah. sipping on that like a beer, and I'm like, hey, what's? And I'm pretty sure that's the first time I met him. Oh my him. god, that's fucking hardcore! <laughs> that's man. crazy. Man. So he's yeah, and he was a hardcore person. I didn't even know that. Yeah, <laughs> just, he was an intense. He was very intense. Wow. Oh uh, yeah. So if he got pissed at you, you yeah, yeah you knew it. Uh, you know, and, and, it, but if he, but, but when he repented of getting pissed off at you, then you, I mean, it was, you know, so, so yeah, like I said, it's like, uh, I think that, that phrase full catastrophe living yeah. you know, where I heard that phrase, uh, I think there's a book called that or something, but the full catastrophe of a full heart and that's kind of the way he lived. Yeah. That was when I was thinking of things once things that sort of happened with the passing and everything. I would just, the, the, the kind of sentence that had come to my mind that it kind of summed him up for me was like for better or for worse, he was just very passionate, Yeah, yeah. you know, for, for, for good things and for, for yeah. the not so great things that you would, it was, there was just a lot of passion, you the know, passion yeah. and intensity would shine through. Right. Yeah. I, for, for either. Yeah. For everything either was, way. was definitely a hill to die on. Uh, yeah. Everything was a holy crusade. <laughs> The, the pursuit of a sandwich, <laughs> holy crusade, advocating for some student, uh, special ed with special ed needs, right? Uh, special needs, uh, yeah. He'd advocate for them. He would, you know, burn a school down for that one student. Yeah, if yeah. he had to. Well, uh, it was interesting because um, I knew he had taught, but I didn't really, I, you know, beyond that, I didn't really know anything about it. And his, his the coworker that got up mm. and spoke about you know, how they had worked at the school together and then they went to the neighboring schools or whatever. And yeah. just hearing his, his, uh, his outlook and, and, uh, um, and the work Paul did in the schools yeah, for, like you're yeah. saying, specifically for the students yeah, and advocating yeah, yeah. for them and, and showing up and, and trying to just trying to do what, what he thought was best for, for each student, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And how it, I can't imagine it, it would be easy, especially, in a low socioeconomic area like Chaparral. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was a behavioral unit, I think is what they I think so. would call it. So it was that yeah, sounds, some severe right. severe issues, you know. Not just physically uh not just special needs in a physical sense. I mean, there are students like that, you know, or uh you know, completely immobile, can't move or speak, but there are others that have severe uh, behavioral violent uh, issues, you know, pull a knife out on you. I think yeah. that happened to him a couple times, right? Oh, yeah. You know, where they, they get violent on you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, much different from what I was doing, which was just uh, a wannabe stand up comic teaching English, <laughs> you know, basically. <laughs> to which, a which, packed out room. Which is important too. But they had, <laughs> to, they had to listen to me. <laughs> So I was, locked, I was selling out my, the door. the state of Texas was helping me sell out my club, 40 kids in a classroom. Like, thanks, thanks, Texas. Uh, you was, get, you, you'd get the same audience every day to practice. Your yeah. They were bored anyway. So <laughs> since they were so bored, they were hard up for any kind of entertainment. So. Yeah. <laughs> See, and I, I only knew Paul 
seven or eight years, I guess. Mm. You know, I, I think yeah. really, really, I maybe had met him a couple of times before moving to Desert Rain, but, you know, and just, just the, the, it, you know, it was less than 10 for sure, but just some of the beautiful conversations I had had with him, two of them being on this podcast, you know what I mean? But then one specifically, like, it might have been the first time uh, I'd gone over to your guys' house to share a meal. Mm. And I can just remember sitting in the living room. It was either first or second time. Yeah. Sitting in the living room and just, you know, just talking, you know what I mean? And, and, and just hearing, shit. yeah, just shooting the shit. And, and, you know, really, I think that was really the first time I'd really had an in-depth conversation with your pops. And, and it was just, it was, it, for me, it was a very memorable time because it, sort of took that friendship to the next, right. you know, sharing a meal and sitting in someone's house and, and having them open up about, about their life was just, it, it was just one of those moments um, yeah. that it's always stuck with me. It's, it's a very yeah. interesting sort of thing. Um, but yeah, just, just how passionate he was, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and open too. you know what I mean? That was, it wasn't uh, sometimes people with that, sort of passion or intensity will try to try to dim it or hide it or whatever. But Paul was yeah. very, very open and honest and, and just, uh, yeah. you know, who he was, yeah. you know what I mean? And it, I mean, we didn't, I don't think we mentioned this at the memorial, but, uh, you know, in his, uh, was he in his forties by this time when he went on disability? That was, tw- was unable to work anymore. It probably was his late, 40s because that was 2012 2013 okay so yeah so So yeah yeah, late 40s you know he was just barely 2012 2013 somewhere around there diagnosed uh with uh crippling uh bipolar disorder yeah to the point where the state of texas said yeah you Right. This guy can't work. It's the state of Texas. <laughs> or they're not, like, not or they're California. saying just kill migrants. That's what the governor is saying. That. So they're not very yeah, they're not open-hearted with their policies there. And, oh, yeah. and so so think about that for a minute. So 2012, he he gets a final, you know, gets a, right. a concrete diagnosis of what had been going on. He thought it was all through the years, you know, there wasn't much in the 80s or that Bipolar disorder wasn't even a yeah. a phrase. Maybe manic depressive. Manic depressive, just, I think, know, was the was kind the of the terminology. Yeah, and so you know, here's a guy who got a you know, I think a music degree. Yeah, and then he got an education degree. I think he got a master's, and then I think he did some theological work mm. at at a all he did all of that on a manic state. Mm. You know, on, yeah. on a, you know, from manic energy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I think it just, just kind of crashed. So, so the, what I'm trying to say is to go through that your whole life, you know, until your late forties to not even and knowing not, what is not wrong what's going with on. you, yeah. uh, is, is very painful uh, and, yeah. and to see what he, what he accomplished in spite of that or because of it, mm-hmm. sometimes bipolar, you know, I mean, a lot of mental illnesses can become huge outlets for creativity mm-hmm. and for that sure. kind of thing, you know? Oh yeah. I think like, like Eleanor Roosevelt, I think she was, you know, probably clinically depressed and so became a workaholic and, mm. but she did amazing stuff. Right, right. right yeah, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> She'd show up on a battlefront and the general be like, oh <laughs> shit, I don't want her here. And then by the time <laughs> noon comes, she had already cleaned every, right. <laughs> every bedpan in the whole place. And she was that kind of, you know, so, yeah. so yeah. there's these, it can be positive, but there's that dark shadow side of it. And it's a long ass shadow mm-hmm. is what mm. I'm trying to say. And that, and that was, you know, the struggle of his life. And, and, oh yeah. And so, yeah, that creativity that went through that and kind of a, a brilliance as well. Uh, but man, what a struggle. Well, I mean, it goes back to the story you shared when you first met him. Yeah. Right? yeah. Drinking the charcoal drink. Yeah. And, and then to I mean? grow up in a, evangelical religious mm. family. Well, you just need to read your Bible more. That was their, you know, the only answers they had. Well, you just need us to pray over you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll just make it all go away. Read your Bible. Uh, you know, and it didn't, right. <laughs> you know, cause yeah. you know, we're, we live in a, the real world, not some fantasy world mm-hmm. where, you know, all those kinds of things. Anyway, 
Yeah. Showing the chip on my shoulder. <laughs> so. Well, and with the diagnosis, he was able to get medication, management, things right, of that nature yeah. as well. Which is also very difficult. Yeah. You know, trying to get him adjusted. It takes years mm-hmm. to get meds adjusted and physical uh, side effects of those meds, all that stuff. Yeah. It's just, you know, very hard. And it's very hard when you have, a, when you're the family members supporting someone with mm-hmm. with uh, mental illness like that. Yeah. It's very painful. It's very hard. Yeah, it was. What uh, do you, do you have a specific time or memory you'd like you'd like to share? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you have a ton of memories. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. one that I've only got two. No, okay. <laughs> You're like, I got one, one and a half. Which one do you want? No, yeah, um, yeah. The the thing that always it it's less a memory, but more like a um, the piece of advice that he had given me that has just always stuck with me, and I've. It's been such a fundamental thing that's uh, carried me through a lot of my life. Is um, I'll try to I'll try to do this as least scatterbrained as I can. But like, basically, what he had told me is, whenever you're like in an argument with somebody, before you go to bed that night, it's so important to like check back in with that person and reestablish like a baseline of like, we're good. I love you. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like he, he would always kind of say, never let the sun go down on your issues mm. is basically what he would tell me. And that was a huge thing. Like with my, with my brother, mm-hmm. cause I mean, being two teenage boys, yeah, we would course. argue every <laughs> second of every day. And so we would, and it's like usually around night too, we would sometimes just get in these huge arguments. Yeah. Um, but we, and especially recently, it's become a thing where we're always like, hey, like we're good. You know, like let's just make sure to, before we go to bed, let's have our, even if we're not seeing eye to eye on this particular issue, still just interpersonally, let's make sure that we're good. You know, before you go to bed, like don't just, storm out after an argument and go to bed like that. That's just, that's not a good way to handle your, your issues. And so that just kind of always stuck with Mm. me and that carries on into, into friendships. Like if I'm in an argument with a friend, I'm like at the end, like, Hey, we're good. You know, like, and that just kind of always stuck, stuck with me. And he told me that at a pretty young age and that would just always stick with me, you know? Yeah. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I had a, pretty personal one uh, and thinking again about a lot of times you think, you know, if if someone has a crippling physical ailment or chronic, Mm -hmm. you know, chronic illness or, or mental, mental health issues, we, we tend to dismiss them as not being Mm -hmm. able to produce or being able to bring something to the table Mm -hmm. and all that. But there's a new set of gifts that come in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and what I think what happened with him, at least in my relationship with him, he became a safer person. And so it was probably 2015. I was in one of the lowest parts of my life and I've had some low mm-hmm. points, but this was emotionally very low and I was, uh, very much hurt by, uh, the, just everybody mm-hmm. in this community and probably the only time we had a, it was a St. Patrick's Day Thursday night meal thing. I think it was the only time I actually didn't show up mm. to something. And so I went to go see, he and Paul was in the hospital mm. at the time. So I went to go see him instead of go to the community because mm. I was just too hurt. I felt betrayed. I felt, uh, it was just an intense, uh, just uh, the end of my life kind of thing. It was mm. struggles with our daughter. And right. it was just very painful. I, I I can't even like, I don't even have the words to describe how painful that was, you mm-hmm. know. And so I went to see him, and uh, and we we're just talking, and uh, there was this moment of where he became a non-judgmental presence because mm-hmm. I felt judged by everyone. That mm-hmm. was the main thing: judged and shunned and dismissed, mm-hmm. um, embarrassed, humiliated. But uh, but at that moment with him there, he had a he had a non-judgmental presence about him and I was able to unload all of those feelings Mm. that I had I was able to articulate them and 
in a way that I felt safe to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and I physically felt lighter the next day and, and was mm-hmm. able to move, move towards forgiveness and mm-hmm. back in the community, uh, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And it was, that was a gift that, that he had. And it's because of his weakness of, mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, well, not just he was physically sick. I think he had pneumonia or something. I, he always had lung yeah. issues, so yeah. probably pneumonia. And, and so it was because of that, and because of the bipolar disorder mm-hmm. that that allowed those gifts in him to come out to heal someone like me who was it just didn't seem. I wanted out of here. I was mm-hmm. I was looking at Z- Zillow. Is that it? Yeah. Every day, just <laughs> fantasizing. I gotta get. We gotta get out of here. I gotta get my family out of here. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the Midwest. Someplace. Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> Cleveland. No, I mean there I mean we've talked about it in a general way. I don't know if we've ever done a full episode about it, but that that idea of the wounded healer, right? Right. Is what you're yeah, exploring right. right now. Exactly. Yeah. So he did that for me and that was pivotal for me at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah. Well, and it goes back to that Anamkara, right? Yeah. Those spiritual friends as yeah, soul walking, friend. Yeah, that's walking walking this path together and and um for me i think that's a beautiful part about community because when you're in community you don't know who's going to be that anamkara yeah right like you're like you're saying you're at your lowest point yeah and you know sort of uh, uh, not not magically but it unfolded yeah really in a divinely beautiful way that that yeah. paul was that that person that yeah. had the unjud or the non-judgmental presence for you to say those things, articulate those things for your for yeah. your healing. Yeah. Right? right. And it just just happened to unfold and ironically unfold in a fucking hospital too, right? Like yeah. where you're supposed to well, go I felt to heal. Guilty. Well, yeah, I felt guilty afterwards. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> you're here you are in the hospital and I'm throwing up on your bed basically right uh, but he was okay with that and, and you know and, and if there's anybody well, listening oh go ahead i was gonna say you probably wouldn't have done that had you not felt that moment yeah of there was a window that opened yeah exactly because i was feeling very much like a caged wounded animal yeah and anybody that would even come close to me i would feel wound, you know feel the pain mm-hmm. uh, you know when you have a physical I'm trying to come up with an example here. When you have a physical pain or something, and and even if, and someone might hover their hand, their finger over it, but they haven't touched you, you can just you still feel the the pain of it. That's how I was emotionally. Mm. Well, and I th- I think so, everyone's been there emotionally in the sense of just being in an irritated mood. Yeah. So then you so then you know so then when anyone comes around, but in your circumstance, we're you know we're multiplying that by a hundred. You weren't yeah. just in an irritated mood; it was much much no, deeper. No, no, this that. was right, and so this was existential. Right. So if you're thinking about just being irritated, and then someone comes around and wants to talk to you, that's annoying. Yeah, well, yeah. you multiply that irritation by a hundred, and it's yeah, a, yeah. The emotional side of it can feel physically painful. I mean, I've experienced yeah. that in, in in situations where it's like. Don't fucking talk to me. Like, just leave yeah. me alone. Yeah. Like I might not say those things, but it's right. like, how can I get out of this conversation yeah. as quick as possible? You yeah. know. And so for you to have that window, that healing window open up between the two of you. Because yeah. like you said, you woke up the next morning, you were a different person. It was, yeah. It was night and day. Yeah. Hmm. The sky was bluer. <laughs> the sunlight felt warm. Oh. But yeah, and, I, and so anybody that's listening, this me, you know, sounds like a very personal podcast, and but but a general thought would be, you know, I, th- I think I'm, I think I can speak with some confidence on this, uh, out of age and experience, that in your life, the 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 people that you probably would count on as your friends that'll show up for you, mm-hmm. you're probably wrong about that, and it, and the ones that you don't even expect or even notice. They're the ones that'll show up for you. And it's just a strange way the way life works. I was listening to 90s music last night. So life has a funny way of helping you out. <laughs> um, before we completely wrap up, was there anything else? Any other words of wisdom? Because the way I'd like to end the episode is I know Paul had sent you a prayer. And yeah. I was I was wondering if you would be willing to to share that yeah. as we... 
Yeah, that'd be good. And did I already explain that we're going to share some of his the stories? Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. So uh, is there anything else you wanted to share with us before we we share the prayer no, and go I mean, into the interview? You kind of hit what I was wanting to hit, but yeah, I mean, just, yeah. Beautiful, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having the space. Absolutely, to, man. And thank you for joining this. us. Yeah. For it, you yeah, know? of course. It's still still raw and still new. Yeah, so definitely. for you to jo- jump on the mic with us this morning. No, so it's a good way to reconnect with some some stuff, you know. Beautiful. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, so we're compiling a book of prayers for Desert Rain Community, Assaulter. And so we had asked uh, folks to to write some things or do some artwork. And so this was his prayer that he wants and if you're part of the community and listening to this, yeah. you can still send it our way. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a big if, if you're listening to this. Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of you read my column. <laughs> so I'll read that, his prayer. And it's my last correspondence with him as well. It was yeah. about early December when he wrote this. And I'll read a poem that I wrote too. Beautiful. That's all right. Yeah, that'd yeah. be perfect. Um, yeah, so... So the first thing you're going to read, though, is the prayer. Right. Okay. So it's, a, it's adapted from Psalm 91. and he, So he wrote this. Father, I don't know what's going on, and I'm scared. I know I love you, and you love me. Thank you for being so close. Protection underneath your shadow. Help me to continue to dwell in your secret place. And then... And then I had written this. And so the time came when you sat up at the edge of your bed and you leaned into celestial twilight. Your falling turned to flying. Your saccade absorbed into one buoyant spiral. We'll see you again and meet in that sacred arroyo when the mountains have cried their last boulders. We'll recognize your face by your wild belovedness. And earth and light will embrace. It's beautiful, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Thank you. I love you guys. Yeah. Love, love you too. You love, love you, Paul. Miss you, man. Yeah. Love we'll, you, Pop. We'll see you on the other side. Eventually, the, the handyman business didn't work anymore, and so I had enough credit hours from college, and I started a substitute teaching, and uh, that was a pretty credible experience. It was down in the, the lower valley again, and you know a lot of the kids were migrant workers from, there's like cotton fields down there, and uh, the kids were kind of working in those fields and man, you could bring in anything to a classroom, but a, you know, bag of candy or um, small toys or whatever. And they would just light up like a Christmas tree and had so much gratitude for getting something. I mean, it was like an honor to be able to, to serve these kids. And, and uh, cause the, I had to drive on Warrior highway and, you know, on one side you'd see Nuarez, on the other side you'd see um, uh, El Paso, and and I, I made that trip every morning, and um, it just it really really impacted me. And uh, you know, you drive in El Paso long enough, you're going to get behind a truck that has all this broken down pieces of cardboard. Um, from boxes and it was like filled to the five feet above where it really needed to be. And they were going like 45 miles on the freeway and you were getting all, why is this damn truck, you know, and, you know, and, 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 and you know, and, and it was like, whatever. And, um, later on, uh, when, uh, I ended up being in a mission school. We were driving 
and uh, one of those trucks was in front of us, and uh, we were we were driving back to 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 Wadis, and I saw this truck pulled up, and everybody ran to the truck, and grabbed the broken down cardboard, and they were using that for walls in their homes, and uh, um, part of what we did was. Um, take tar paper and tar and some other stuff and we'd uh, cover the 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 houses and stuff with the with the uh, tar paper uh, and make it real secure uh, where wind couldn't get in and provide a little bit of installation for them so at least they wouldn't be you know, so terribly cold um, and that like had a super impact on me. So we were we were doing this coffee house, and we really felt this is what God really wants us to do. And and so uh, we met with um, the pastor of the Northeast Vineyard and said, "Hey, we want to kind of hook up with the, the coffee house guys and kind of leave um, leave the church and." go to the the coffee house and kind of hook up with them and uh, um, just be a part of, of that. And it was it ended up being a really incredible decision that we made because it was, you know, we'd have like, you know, hundreds of kids sometimes on a Friday night or, or a Saturday night. And um, some of them were coming from different, backgrounds and uh, uh, some of them were from the, the high school one of the high schools in uh, Northeast El Paso mm. um, uh, the pastor would uh, go and they would do uh, uh, outreaches at the uh, at the high schools and talk to some of the students and let them know what was going on. And so we had all these people coming and, um, uh, one of the things that, uh, we did in the coffee house, uh, there was a stage for where the, we had the worship service going and, uh, we opened that up on Friday nights and, and Saturday nights for local bands um, or bands from around the area uh, that were um, teenagers and um, just all different kinds of music. And we had, uh, you know, like uh, like metal, hardcore, um, what do you call that when the... <laughs> like screamo? Mosh pits. Oh, okay, okay. And, you know, and then, you know, just all this... The stuff that, you know, was just, it was funny kind of in a way because it just, God just really used that as a time to bring all these kids right. um, to the central place. And, you know, there would be uh, um, different kids that, you know, again, we would spend a lot of time with and, you know, talk to them. And um, we opened up our home. Uh, when we'd have barbecues, you know, inviting the kids over and um, really just, you know, got um, really attached to uh, what was going on and just really being blessed by um, how the Lord would just, you know, provide for us. And mm. we were able to like give, you know, so much, you know, as far as time and energy and, money or whatever and you know for the for the uh the coffee house and for the the church and and uh um yeah and so uh we were doing that um and not to or ju just to sort of um in the sake of time sort of idea so how did how did you get from the coffee house? I know we're going to be fast forwarding through a lot of stuff, but yeah. how did you end up getting from the coffee house 
eventually landing at Desert Rain. Yeah, and so um, the grant that we were getting uh, from the state mm. had kind of run out. and as, um, as they tend to do, yeah. unfortunately, sometimes. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, after a lot of meetings and stuff, we decided that we would just keep the, the church open. Mm. Um, Cause it was in the same building, right? As the coffee house. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, so we continued the church and as time went on, uh, different things started happening and, uh, um, we started going to uh, uh, to uh, Chaparral, New Mexico, and uh, started going to a, a, a church that was started out here um, by uh, the the youth group leader um, from uh, uh, Jesus Chapel Northeast, and he was sent out. Um, to start this, he uh, well, he started to have a church over on the east side of El Paso, and then after he had done that for a while, um, he decided to to uh, just kind of shut everything down that was happening at the church at the east side and just come out to Chaparral with several families and and just kind of start um, a community. Uh, uh, New monasticism, uh, kind of kind of church, and so we'd come out here for that on uh, Sunday nights, and we were still doing the we were doing the church actually at at, at Crossroads the coffee house in the, in the morning, and um, and eventually um, different circumstances started happening, and we just realized that. Um, some of the values that we had um, with the uh, church and our faith. And mm. um, we started really questioning what was happening at, 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 at crossroads. And we just really, we didn't feel comfortable um, with what was going on. And, and so we just go in ahead and, you know, uh, decided to leave Um there and that was a real you know emotional uh break kind of happening from uh uh the uh the church and the coffee house kind of thing and so we just started coming to to church exclusively uh out here at uh, desert rain uh and that's kind of how we we landed um um, here and uh, at the time I was working over at the east side uh, at a school and David Morrison was like actually a teacher at that school and oh I didn't realize um, you guys had t taught together and so yeah we were uh, which we school were, was that that was America's high school oh wow um, and that's where he had the church too yeah 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 in the same same place right and so, um, um, yeah, so, and so I would have, you know, some time and, you know, I'd talk to David and he would tell me about some of the things that were happening, you know, as far as with the community and with, you know, the, the decisions, you know, that they made to, to come out here. And um, so we were already kind of felt like we had like a, a foot in the door so that when we left, um, the coffee house, we were able to, to do that and, and just come out here and just see what, what was happening. There was no, no pressure. Mm. We didn't have any more meetings we had to do. And, um, <laughs> uh, there wasn't like a, a youth group that we needed to, you know, have. show up for three, three times a week. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the pastor was kind of like, we wanted to bring, I really felt called to actually plant a church and, with some of the values that were happening at the vineyard at the time, um, we just were like, no, you know, this is just not not for us. And so we actually just kind of 
kind of shelved that whole idea and just came out here. And again, there was no pressure and um, just kind of a, a new freedom that we had in our in our family. And um, it was a uh, it wasn't an easy thing uh, that we had done, but it was like we knew it was the right thing. And um, God kind of honored that, and we got kind of planted in in uh, in the desert rain here. Um, our our house is like maybe a 10, 15 minute drive uh, to Chaparral uh, here at Desert Rain, and so we were, you know, really easily connected, like physically and spiritually. And uh, again. There was like a lot of uh, uh, ups and downs uh, from the time that we we left uh, the coffee house and started coming here. Um, everything coming from my childhood and all that stuff kind of started coming back into play, and um, I was just start start started questioning things, and and so I had all this stuff that was happening, and God kind of sorted all that out in my my heart and um i was able to go start therapy and kind of deal with uh kind of the issues from my childhood and um was able to really get some kind of intense um healing and again i made a lot of kind of foolish decisions um it kind of put us on a on a rocky road mm. as far as our marriage and um we had two boys and two kids uh, two kids that we were, you know, bringing out to the to the coffee ha- or to the to here at Chaparral, and they kind of you know gave up their friends, you know, and and um, so that, you know they they were impacted, and um, so we you know as a family we kind of worked through all of those all those issues and stuff that were coming up, and there was enough positive things that were going on that you know that we were able to kind of set all that stuff back on the shelf and kind of look forward again um, to what was happening uh, here. And uh, we were just able to, again, kind of, uh, kind of recalibrate our, our, our family. And um, that was not without <laughs> uh, some years of, of, uh, questioning things and um my wife and i were kind of on different on different pages of the mm. same book but um you know god is working differently in her heart than my heart and um and so we we had a lot of um a lot of conversations and uh, a lot of talking and, and uh um we kind of just uh ended up I really um really back on the same page and mm. uh I was like had, like I said gotten therapy and some kind of intense um um healing from from my childhood and um healing from you know leaving our 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 church and yeah and kind of deconstructing our faith um at the safe in the safety of of uh here at desert rain and uh uh we were able to uh um eventually end up on the on the same page and well it's fascinating how big shifts in our life whether it's like a move geographically or even sort of uh religiously like you're talking about going from one you know one church community to another um how those things can really sort of bubble to the surface the things that otherwise maybe we're able to stuff down within us or sort of ignore within a you know like a family relationship like you're talking about and how those moves sort of shift things in such a way that they can come to the surface um, and even, you know, it's not easy, you know, right. it wasn't an easy process to say, but, um, it sounds like it was a healing process. Right. Right. And, 
uh, we had relationships with everybody out here at Desert Rain, mm. and um, I learned a new, um, a new different kind of grace mm. um, uh, that kind of brought a lot of healing. Again, I made some foolish decisions mm -hmm. and had to work through, you know, a lot of that, you know, with the family and with the help of, you know, David and Marsha and, and, uh, um, and so, uh, we, uh, we ended up again, like I said, on the, on the same page, but it, it took us, it took us a while to, to yeah. get there. And, uh, um, and, you know, I've been pretty much, you know, uh, a lot of ups and downs and, um, but we knew we were at the right place and, um, uh, That's yeah. beautiful, man. So, um, it's, it's almost like in, uh, exhaling yeah. when you, when you f find a, a church community or a spiritual community that where you feel at home. Right. Yeah. And our, our kids our my boys, you know, they were able to experience a lot of that, that healing. And, um, it was hard initially for them because they were being homeschooled at first. And, you know, and then when, um, some things happened in my life and, uh, I had to kind of give up a lot of what I was doing and uh, kind of just start over um, um, some things in my own life. And so it was like real rocky there. But I remember talking to uh, my oldest son um, when we had made the switch from going to the, the coffee house to, to come to church out here. And I remember talking to him and uh, um I was like really just telling him how sorry I was that, you know, they weren't able to keep doing the homeschooling thing and you know, they were going to have to go um, to regular public school. And, uh, and David with like just all the wisdom and stuff that he had, he, he just said, you know what, pop, he said, it's just a, a new part of my journey. And um, it's kind of a new thing that's happening and, and um, I'm ready for it. Um, to happen and you know and and my youngest son you know he kind of went along with that and you know and so they they had gone through their 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 own healing that they needed to experience and um ended up you know uh you know, graduating from from high school with you know a, a, an associate's degree um, from the community college and able to start UTEP right away and only have a couple of years to, to go and graduate. Um, and all that kind of all came together at the same time as what was happening with my wife and I. And, and it worked. It was, uh, we didn't really cause, you know, any of it to happen. It just kind of happened. And we kind of just went with what, um, we knew to be true and uh and that's pretty much you know where we're at today is just you know just living for the the present moment and uh um experiencing um god through centering prayer and uh developing a, a whole different kind of lifestyle uh around you know this new this new way of thinking of a new kind of Christianity um, that at first was really hard to, 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 to go with that paradigm shift of, of where we had been and where we were put at now. And uh, that, that road uh, was again, bumpy at times, but um Again, we knew there there would be things that would happen, just kind of out of the blue, and we knew that you know this is what we were supposed to do, um, and uh, 
And that's kind of where we are, like I said, today. And Well, I th- it, it feels like it comes about, you said it a few minutes ago, but just that a different learning, really learning about God's grace. Yeah. You know, and how even during those rocky times, it it seems to work out in the long run. Right. Right. When we and can, just... And just being okay with, mm-hmm. you know, you know myself, and you know just be- befriending, you know myself, yeah. and, you know, and and learning, you know how to do that, and just ex- accepting things, you know, as they are, and and not trying to have to to work something up or make this happen. Or yeah, do make this, this plan, execute you know. this plan just right. 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 What's well, amazing because befriending, you know, befriending ourselves or you know befriending myself. And living in the moment, I think, are the two things that have really, I can't even tell you how many years, but things that I've, I've had to learn. But through that, through that learning has been, it's priceless. Yeah. It's priceless. So 